Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I was really down on myself for a while. Until I met other people who were like, no, everybody's been laid off yeah, here. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, these things happen and you right. build resilience. And frankly, like, if you haven't seen that kind of thing and you've been in startups this much, you've probably been playing it a little too safe. My name is Esprit Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast here in Austin, Texas, celebrating women in tech around the world. I feel so blessed. Okay, one thing that I hear in Austin, I think all of you will totally love this, is uh, I appreciate you. Like when you buy something, I always hear I appreciate you. I'm like, that's crazy to have commerce in this way that everybody's so grateful of one another. I love it. And I am grateful to be celebrating our next woman in tech. Hello. Hey. So I get loud and bubbly. I, I didn't like give it. you a warning. It's <laughs> like, wow, I love it. No, it's good. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hey, everyone. My name is Silva, and I'm the co-founder of Reset. We're here based in Austin, and we are a company that partners with restaurants that are dinner only to open up their spaces for co-working during the day for about the price of two cups of coffee a day. That's awesome. It's like, yeah. is it kind of like pop-up co-working? It's kind of the best way that I like to describe it is we work meets open table. So it's like there's all these beautiful restaurant spaces that are comfortable and perfect for working, but they're right. closed during the day. So we're opening them up and making it more affordable for remote workers, freelancers, creatives. Um, and that's something that I've had personal experience with. Like I just can't afford a fancy co-working <laughs> space, but I still want somewhere to get out of my house and like stop wearing pajamas. <laughs> and when did you start it? Uh, about six months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now we're going to be featuring your co-founder as well. Where did you guys meet? So we met at the UT MBA program. So we both moved to, moved to Austin to attend that MBA program here in the city. Um, we sat next to each other for like six months. Uh, not by choice. They yeah. see you like that. Yeah. So we had to become friends. <laughs> and where did you move from? San Francisco. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Okay, wait. So I'm one of those people. <laughs> the, so this is really interesting that you're starting a tech company. Now, is this your first company? That I've started? Yeah. Not my first startup, though. It's not the first startup you, you've worked for, mm -hmm. but it's the first company you've started. It's interesting that you're starting a tech company here in Austin versus San Francisco when you know the tech culture so well there. Why choose Austin? Oh, man. I could go on and on about that. Uh, I think Austin's tech culture is super different. Uh, like... 
the sense of community and inclusion here to me is really, really empowering, especially um, on the female founder side. Yeah. Like I think in San Francisco, I always felt like there's so much focus on, you know, the unicorns and all of the like things getting written up in TechCrunch. You can get lost. Um, it, it just it didn't feel very inclusive to me. And here, springing off UT and the MBA program, which is so entrenched in Austin, yeah. you really, like, I got to network with, you know, VCs and other founders and sort of to the point of this podcast, be like, oh, if they can do it, like, I can totally yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and just, I have to say, like, the amount of support we've had from not just our friends, but <clears throat> people we've met about the startup is is just crazy. Everybody wants to help you. Everybody's like, let me put you in touch with this person. Let me put you in touch with this person. Um, and that's not something that I found as easily in San Francisco. It's what I love about Austin myself, the community vibe here. Regardless of tech or not tech, there's just a really strong sense. Everywhere I go, I feel like I'm in a best friend's living room. Even if it's a large concert in the park or something, it just feels like everyone's connected somehow. Yeah, it's... Yes, that's a great way to put it. Like, I just remember moving here from San Francisco and being kind of taken aback by how friendly everyone was. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, you're in the South. I'm like, yeah, I know, but, like, it was a little bit shocking yeah. at first, and then I, like, loved it. Yeah, it is shocking, which is kind of sad. Yeah, it is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, scared to go back to L.A., and I'm going to go to some, like— pub or something and you know the bouncer I'm going to be like hi you know how's your day and he's yeah. going to look at me with his Los Angeles like I'm so cool face and you know just I don't know it's not it's going to be cold and uninviting and I'm going to be like I appreciate you <laughs> he's going to be like you're crazy yeah 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 <laughs> I wish Austin could be every. Oh, I love it here. Okay, so um, what were the first steps in you know meeting with your your co founder and getting it off the ground? What was the pain point that you were trying to address? Like, did your co founder think of it, or did you think of it? So we both kind of thought of it. Um, we were. Let me back up. At the time, we. We still have our day jobs. So I'm a product manager at Dell, and yeah. she does management consulting. Yeah. So, like, she has a lot of time off project, and I um, have a lot of flexibility. We were both working remote at least 50% of the time. Um, so I was at home a lot. She was at home a lot. We were getting pretty stir-crazy, and we were having dinner one night at a really beautiful restaurant on the east side, Pitchfork Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we looked around, and we're just thinking, wow, like, this space is gorgeous, like, huge, like, glass um, in the front, beautiful seats, like, everything. Clearly, people put a lot of time and effort yeah. into now it. Now I want to eat there. It's, it's Pitchfork Pretty. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it. Um, but... You know, it was closed during the day. Yeah. And we were just like, you guys, I know you guys are paying a lot of rent for this. Like, why? Like, it makes so much sense yeah. to open it up to people working because we've had a lot of experience trying to work in coffee shops. And it was just like, it's so, everybody works in coffee shops. Yeah. If you're not getting there at like eight or nine, you're not really going to get a seat or you'll get like the crappy wobbly table. Yeah. Um, and then in my house, I was just going a little bit stir crazy, but I couldn't afford a WeWork. Like I, I just, I didn't have a company stipend. So it just started like ruminating in our yeah. heads a little bit. And we started thinking about it and did research and we were like, this is actually, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then we did 50 user interviews. Yeah. Immediately we were like, okay, it makes sense to us, but does it make sense to other yeah. people? 
we started talking to freelancers, remote workers, like in our buildings, yeah. friends. Um, and we really found that those same pain points exist. Like people get stir crazy, want to see want to see people right. around them working, but um, they don't necessarily have the means for a co-working space and they don't even use all the perks. Um, and then they're really looking for somewhere else to focus and a change of scenery. Yeah. Maybe not for five days a week, but at least like two or three. It reminds me of Work Party. Have you heard of Work Party? Mm-mm, it's no. Work Party without the vowels, um, and it's pop-up co-working. It could be in someone's house. Yeah. So I, I feel like a collaboration between Reset and uh, and Work Party would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, that would make a ton of sense. Yeah. Like, it's it's very similar, uh, and we're— we're trying to make it so that we have, a, like, a bunch of spaces around the city. So if you have a membership, you can go wherever you want. And you'll get the same type of, like, free coffee, tea, awesome Wi-Fi plugs. And you can just bop around. And you're you focused to. on Austin. Yeah. So we're focused on proving this out in Austin, starting here. Uh, Austin also has one of the highest uh, percentages of remote workers because, actually, a lot of them are Dell. Dell is making a big move to remote workforce. Um, and then we'll probably expand to, like, Dallas, Houston, Denver, Nashville, those types of places. Los Angeles, please. Los Angeles. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, no, it sounds great. And so you have partnerships with, with essentially restaurants right now, restaurants all over Austin. Yeah. And during hours where they're not typically utilizing their space. Mm-hmm. And now, just out of curiosity, does it cost them overhead to open their door early or? No. Like, we, we provide out-of-the-box for them. So we staff it. We have a host. Oh, you staff it. Yeah. So we have a host on-site that is versed in, like, the restaurant branding, can answer any questions, and also versed in our service. So when members ask questions and Interesting. that type of And then do you have to pay for the host or is it a volunteer? We pay, we pay them. They're staff. That's – yeah. That's so professional yeah. for a startup. It's – yes. How do you like where it's, it's actually our biggest cost. So other than that, we really don't have a lot of overhead. And how many hosts do you have? One per space. Uh, you yeah. have one per space. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What a great gig too for them. And so like if somebody wants a tea or coffee, the restaurant's not providing that. So there's we provide with all of our memberships like base water, tea, coffee. So like a, like a drip coffee right. um, that people can go up and serve themselves. Right. Some restaurants, if they choose to do so, can have somebody on staff to make specialty coffee and or if they want to offer a set lunch menu. And that is something that any interaction that they have with the customers selling them food or beverages is like they get to keep all of the it's their own thing. That. So they are actually incentivized to have that since that's something our members want. But we don't want it to be mandatory because that is a cost. Yeah, them. yeah. It's, it's so interesting how – Anything is possible. I mean, how do you go from six months ago, it being an idea, to today? How many restaurants do you have on your queue now? We have three right now. And and then how many people do you have utilizing Reset? So we're actually launching in a month, August 20th. So we have a list of about 250 on our wait list. So cool. I want to be on your wait list. I won't be here, though, but I'll be on your wait list anyway. So when I I come back. That's really, really cool. And then when did you first realize you were in love with technology? Oh, man. Um, both of my parents are engineers. So pretty early on, like I'm not an engineer, but I've grown up around, you know, my dad fiddling with things um, in the garage. You know, he like he just loves to fiddle with everything. He's yeah. an electrical engineer. So he like 
taught me how to work on my car. He taught me how to help him with these, like, old megaphones yeah. and help him refurbish them and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think when I was growing up, I kind of took it for granted. I was like, oh, yeah, everybody's dad and, like, mom were really into all yeah. this stuff. Um, but growing up in San Francisco, it's everywhere. Yeah. So I realized, you know, once I, I actually graduated uh, at, like, the worst possible time in the recession – um, so when I was looking for a job, I was an econ major, but I knew that, you know, I could do anything in tech, like I could learn it. Um, and I started working for a renewable energy company, not that I had any background in renewable energy. Yeah. Um, but I really learned how much I love startups and like hustling and learning about the tech in that experience. Yeah. Ultimately, that company went under, which I will say is like the best tech experience yeah. ever. <laughs> Because you just, like, learn to see the uh, warning signs right. of, okay, you know, if a Chinese competitor is coming in and they're undercutting you, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would say all throughout while I was growing up, I just didn't realize it, that I loved it so much. Um, and then once I actually got into the tech startup world, it just made so much sense to me and my personality. Like, I like to build things. I like to see them from an idea to something that is in a user's hands. And what were your first steps in going from have being exposed to it as a kid and then starting to pursue it professionally? You said you've been at startups before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been at around four to five different startups um, at the time. For me, when I graduated college, I was either – I was an econ major and I wanted to stay in San Francisco, so I was looking at either – Tech or something in the arts, like museums, that type of stuff. Those jobs aren't super available, especially in a recession. Um, So at first, it was just a means to an end, honestly. Right. Um, But once I was in those startup companies, I one I realized we need more women here. Like I was one of two women in a company of forty, which was pretty bad at first. Uh, But you know, I realized. One, we need more women here, and I want to be one of those people that, you know, drives that forward and encourages more people to join. But two, it's just really amazing to, one, do something that somebody tells you you can't do yeah, without, a, like, a technical degree, um, and two, actually see it be successful and come to light. What are some tips you suggest in finding the right business partner or matching Ooh. up with the right mm-hmm. – like, what is it about you and your co-founder where you're like, this is why we're a good fit? Yes. Great question. So that's tricky because me and my co-founder are really, really good friends. And uh, I would say number one is find somebody who can do and or ideally likes to do the stuff that you can't. Yeah. Uh, We have very complementary backgrounds. So mine is tech, startups, product marketing, product, that kind of stuff. Hers is management consulting, strategy, I want my, I'm going to say finance. I know she won't agree. Finance, all that stuff. We can both do each side if we really have to, but we like have our side and we're good at it. Um, and we trust the other. Trust is like number one. Trust and respect each other. Make sure that if the other person's making a decision that they have to make because they can't reach you, like you know that you trust that it's the right decision. And regardless if you're friends or, you know, just found each other worked well as business founders, uh, have the difficult conversations before you have to, have a founder's agreement, talk about what happens if one person can't work anymore, talk about what happens if y'all start hating each other. 
Uh, just like get all that stuff out of the way because if you wait, it's going to be so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say is a huge obstacle that you've overcome successfully and what did you learn from it? Huge obstacle. Uh, I've been in two startups that failed uh, for various reasons. Um, so one of them, I was laid off because we ran out of money. So at the time when that happened, I was 25, and I saw that as, like, the worst thing in the entire world. Aww. I was like, nobody's going to hire me. Like, I oh, got, stop. I know. I'm so stupid now. But, no. you know, I was working at, like, a biotech startup. Yeah. I have no science background, and I was on the product marketing side, like, just huge learning curve. Yeah. You know, um, we ran out of money because biotech equipment is super expensive and it's just a really competitive space. Um, and I just saw that as, okay, like nobody's ever going to want to hire me. Like I was at this company that went under. I learned a ton, but, you yeah. know. Um, and what ended up coming out of that was like an even better gig that I was so much better suited for. Right. And uh, it was just, it was on a team of like 15 people and we were basically building like a online streaming TV product that was free and accessible to everyone and was kind of too early in its time. <laughs> um, but the way that I overcame that was I just talked to other people that were in that situation. Uh, I was really down on myself for a while until I met other people who were like, no, like everybody's been laid off yeah, here. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, like it's actually a really like good learning experience because you realize like these things happen and you right. build resilience. And frankly, like if you haven't seen that kind of thing and you've been in startups this much, you've probably been playing it a little too safe, Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Like it completely changed my mindset um, because I think if I hadn't talked to a lot of, especially women in that situation, I would have sort of seen that as like a big failure and right. been even more risk averse. What do you say about working at a startup before starting a startup um, yourself? Would you say it's kind of require, like healthily required um, or do you, it doesn't matter? I hesitate to use the word required because I I don't like to, like, tell anybody that there's a certain thing that's required right. to start a company. I think it's really, really helpful because I think startups are just a different beast. Um, you know, there is a lot of times not a lot of structure. You are constantly doing, like, a million different things. Right. Um, like, you're maybe you're doing, like, admin stuff one day. Maybe you're, you know, pitching to investors the other day. Like, you have to really be able to kind of put away like what your idea of my job is right kind of just like get shit done all the time even stuff you don't want to do and that sucks and is like beneath you yeah actually there is no beneath you I would say like just get rid of that mindset absolutely like I don't like sales like, right I hate it and I have to do it all the time yeah um so I would say it's not required but it helps you kind of get over yourself and get over the fact that there isn't a job description there isn't structure a lot of times you're just going to have to figure out what needs to be done by yourself I would say you know looking forward to hiring people to work with us at Reset I actually would really value that they do have some startup experience and even better if they have experience where they've failed in a startup or a startup has failed just because that's, you know, statistically very possible. And I think if people are kind of in the back of their head, like, yeah. you don't want to fail, but if it's something that has happened and you know how it goes, it, it helps. That's I love that you said that. I've heard that a bunch, that um, 
people look for others with experience of failure, which is funny because when you're personally experiencing the failure, you feel like such an idiot. I like, know. Ha- yeah. like this is terrible that I have experienced this failure or why am I not good enough? And because of that, like I experienced failure where in so many of these interviews, the hiring, the people in charge of hiring <laughs> say, we look for someone who has failed so it's actually a powerful thing, but it does it never feels powerful. No. <laughs> no. And I think it just shows you that like that person doesn't let it like it doesn't get them down. Like they can move on from it. Eventually. Because, eventually. After so many because, tears. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're gonna you know, you're gonna mess stuff up all the time and you're gonna fail and if you like are constantly getting down on yourself yeah. about it, like you just can't make progress. So, you know, it's hard, but what is your favorite uh, software or app? Trello. Trello, Trello, I Trello, hate, I Trello. Hate that all the time. Where's Trello based? In San Francisco, right? Well, we have Atlassian here, but Atlassian is an Australian company and they oh. own Trello. But I don't know where the like the Trello part of Atlassian is based. Yeah, I so many Some of it is based. So yeah. many women in tech have said Trello. <laughs> and then um what's your favorite book? Ooh, so right now I'm reading The Originals by Adam Grant. And I really like that one. Adam it's, Grant, hasn't he written a bunch of with business With Sheryl books? Sandberg. Yeah. Uh, so they also wrote uh, Option B, which I always call Plan B, but it's not it's <laughs> Option B. Um, uh, yeah, and it's really good. It kind of talks about, like, different traits of entrepreneurs that you wouldn't think. So there's a whole chapter on procrastination. I am a procrastinator, so, like, full disclosure, yeah. I like it because it basically tells people that it's actually a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it gives you more time to, like, think about it rather than, like, you know, when you, like, get something done right away and then you think about it a little bit and you're like, oh, actually, like, this is a better right. way to do it. Uh, so I highly That's interesting. That. Yeah, that space. I'm I'm a, a, a hardcore impulsive executor. And I do find if I allow space between idea and executing mm-hmm. that the idea will shift. But I do think there's a point that you need to just execute to find out. Yes. There's too much space allowing and then you just never mm-hmm. move forward yeah absolutely. and the only way you could actually find out what works is from market validation and if you're not executing there's no market validation oh yeah you. jumping back to reset how did you go about finding the 250 people for your wait list and have you heard of beta list i have heard of beta list because you can only get on beta list when you're still in beta oh, so you would have to get on them idea. now okay. i had uh, 750 signups when i had an old startup of mine on beta that's list. a great idea we should have, i'm gonna talk and there's and ba- the founder of beta list created a site called submit.co, submit.co. um s-u-b-m-i-t.co which has every site that's like beta list so product on beta list and all the rest of them so you could literally just go down the list and send your company and but how did you get the 250 yeah so that's absolutely an ongoing process uh we have a sign up on our website we've been promoting that through different channels like social media some paid mostly unpaid for now uh facebook and we've also reached out to a lot of groups in austin so meetup groups things like that that would be interested in in what we're doing yeah um so that has spread organically that way. And then we also, one of our advisors created a similar concept here in Austin a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for her, she aligned with one developer way too early on who kind of like shuffled her around spaces. Yeah. And I just think it failed for that reason. But since she's our advisor, she's also given us access to all the people that use that service and yeah. still really want to use it. 
So we have that's those awesome resources. What what kind of tech is involved? I mean, essentially like booking and reservation system. Yeah. And did you build it yourself or? So we're bootstrapping right now. So that system is very manual. Um, We are building an app in the next three to six months after we prove out the concept. Because we want, like, apps are expensive and we want it to be really good. uh, What's it called? Business in a Box? No. It's in, okay, I have to remember, Jeremy Redman, because I can't remember the URL. I mean, Carl, our teammate, will include it in the show notes. Yeah. Jeremy Redman, an L.A. founder, created Business in a Box, which you could uh, supposedly build an app for $5,000. Um, and I didn't believe him. Yeah, so I'm like, sh- that's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, and apparently walks you through. He really wants me to do it for We Are LA Tech so I, I could have a better, like, user experience. But uh, anyway, I asked him to send me examples. And it's new, so I was mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't know. And he sent me an example. It's one of my favorite apps. I can't oh, think really? of what it's called right now, but yeah. like this app that he sent me an example of, I'm like, there is no way you built this for five thousand. Yeah, and or the the app owner built it himself for five thousand. He's like, yeah, that was. I'm like, there's no. Way. I'll show you after. Yeah, it's show me. so cool. It's this music app, um, and you could just pick a. Like, I'm not musically inclined at all, and it gives you beats, and you could just click on it. Oh, it makes like, really cool beats, oh. but it looks dope. Yeah. And I can't believe that was built for okay. $5,000. That's great to know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I can connect you to him to explore yeah, further. Um, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a reservation. Um, we also want to build a member directory component, so you can opt in or out, but the idea is... People who opt in are open to talking about whatever topics they're passionate about yeah. so that when you're in the spaces, you could see, oh, like this person who's interested in this is here and they're open to chatting about yeah. it. So it kind of creates like a more open environment. You know what another great tool is? Well, one, a partnership with Work Party and finding out how Work Party built their whole yeah. booking system. But then We Are LA Tech, my company, where you were, well, we haven't yet, but we've been beta testing using Mobilize. Have you heard of Mobilize? Mm-mm. The only thing is I don't know about the booking, the reservation itself or the membership, how you would handle that. But they have an, a whole events thing where you could just say where the co-working is happening and your members can, like, sign up. Oh, so, so it's, like, on a certain day basis well it's a community calendar. it's a community platform which powers you to easily have a private portal for community and you could see all the members okay, got and it. um there's so many okay sorry i'm just like talking your <laughs> but there's mobilize and there's also i think it's called mighty network i've heard of that one um I, but I The reason I like mobilize for my purposes is in Los Angeles, I create a lot of events. And so I want so, I want something very event focused. Yeah. Um, but Mighty Networks is run by uh, this woman who cr- had created Ning, which is this like iconic social media network back in the day. And I know there, there's uh, quite a few solutions. But point is, you may not have to build your own thing. That's what I'm yeah, trying to get at. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're taking the nice thing about the three to six months, too, is that we're going to be able to really hone in on what people want and how they yeah. want to use it. Because we were like, okay, we can build an app right now and have all this stuff that we think is important, yeah. or we can validate it first yeah. and then actually make it what it should be. Oh, cool. How can people connect with you online? Yeah, our website is www.hitreset.io. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, ResetATX. And wh- how can people connect with you? Oh, with me? Yeah, no, both. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter, S. Genchev. And Can you e- spell it for us? S-G-E-N-T-C-H-E-V or Silva, S-I-L-V-A, 
at hitreset.io. I answer all my emails. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know how. Do you have any special trick to the whole inbox zero? Uh, I just like set aside an hour in the evening and just like do it. Just power through. Or boomerang for Gmail. Boomerang. It lets you like it, try, it brings it stuff off. Do it. Yeah. When you like haven't answered it, it'll ping you back. Like you can set. Oh for wait, when, really? Yeah. So for example, if you email me and I'm like, okay, I know I need to get to this. I'm gonna have it come back up to my inbox in like a day, so I remember. Yeah. I can set that. Also lets you schedule replies. So for me, if I'm answering stuff at like 1 a.m., I think that's kind of rude. So I'll like schedule it to go out at like 7. Wait, so you think it's rude and I think people are like, see, I work really hard. I mean, my like 3.30 a.m. Like, emails last night. Some people leave their like phone. Maybe I emailed you at 3.30 a.m. Yeah, like yeah. I don't mind because when I'm sleeping, like it doesn't ding. Yeah. But some people's does. So then I'm like, no. I don't want to be the person who's like. You really think some people leave their emails on in the middle of the night? I do. I know some of those people. Really? Yeah. And I guess to them, like, they don't care, obviously. So maybe I shouldn't care. But Interesting. I've tried Boomerang once before. I was, for some, whatever reason, I was, like, worried about it. I was worried there would be some error, and I stopped using it. Yeah, I get that. I haven't... I like it. I haven't had But a years. lot of people recommend it. I really I think like I should it. revisit it. Well, it thank- just helps yeah. me, like, remember. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything that you wanted to share that you feel like we didn't get to? Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me. I just want to share, like, I love the whole idea behind this and the whole, you know, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, I think there needs to be more stories about female founders. Yeah. And what I've learned in Austin is, like, that community is so great and tight-knit and there's just so many badass women doing cool stuff. Um, I think coming from tech where, you know, you see all these dudes with, like, less experience doing stuff, you realize, like, I can do it better. <laughs> I think it's about collaboration, not competition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something as a culture maybe we need to get better at. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the collaboration in the city. I'm telling you, Austin is just, like— so rad. You should move here. <laughs> I know. I want to. Like, I've already been fantasizing about it. Um, well, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you want to connect with more incredible people around the world who are women in tech, remember you could go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode, and, and say hello on social at Women in Tech Show, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This is Silva Genchev. I'm the co-founder of Reset. We are an open table meets WeWork co-working solution based in Austin, Texas, and you're listening to Women in Tech. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. 
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.